Hi there. Welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. As I told you last week, we're going to have a lesson this week from the book of James, specifically from the second chapter of the book of James. Last week, we began looking at the second chapter of James. He dealt with the issue of showing preferential treatment toward people in the church, and he made his his position very clear. This week, we're going to get into the second half of the second chapter of James, and in this part of the book of James, he really deals with the big theme that this book is known for. Now, once again, I'll, re- I'll refresh a little bit here. Who is or who was James? Most biblical scholars believe that the James who wrote this book was the James who was listed as one of the brothers of Jesus. There were several other James among the apostles and among the followers of Jesus at the time, but in the early church, one of Jesus' brothers was one of the great leaders of the church. He was considered an elder statesman. Uh, People listened to him, and certainly the author of this book writes with a certain authority. The writer of this book obviously understood and knew the teachings of Jesus very well. And so scholars believe that this James is indeed the brother of Jesus. So that's who this James is. Now, in the early church, uh, there were many various disputes going on. Uh, Certainly people who had been raised in the Hebrew tradition uh, were sometimes at odds with people who came in from the various pagan religions. Uh, There were arguments about special knowledge. A group called the Gnostics were trying to come up with this. But also, there was a big issue, and an issue, quite frankly, that still remains discussed today among theologians, and that is, can faith alone save an individual? How important is faith? And those who believe that faith alone is what it takes uh, certainly can quote from any from uh, any one of Paul's letters, because he talks so much about how faith saves us. It's, we can't earn our way into heaven. People who think that works are important often go to the book of James, and that's what we're going to be looking at today, where he argues for works. But in a way, this is one of those arguments, and you may have had this with a friend. Sometimes you, you end up, you think, starting on two sides of an issue, but by the time you really get to the heart of the matter you're discussing, you realize that you're in agreement. You just look at the same issue from two perspectives, and from those perspectives, you come to the same conclusion, but it appeared at first that you had a conflict. And I really think that's sort of what's going on here in the issue of faith versus works. And James uh, puts it pretty explicitly. He's very good at bringing up examples. We're going to begin reading with the 14th verse of the second chapter of the book of James. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such a faith save him? He's getting right to the heart of the matter. He's getting to the question that many of the church leaders were asking, and also the early Christians were trying to figure this out. Certainly those who came from the Hebrew tradition were used to having to do the various uh, things following the law. And the law is not just a list of things not to do. It's also quite a lengthy list of things that you have to do. So works were certainly a very important part of the Hebrew faith. And within various other religions of the day, there were certain activities, things that the faithful were expected to do. So when it came to understanding what it means to lead a Christian life, 
the question became, how much of this do I have to do? We have these letters circulating. We've received the teachings of Jesus, and it seems like faith in God is the big issue. Well, James goes ahead and uh, asks that question. But he also has a very good way, as I mentioned a moment ago, of illustrating his point. And that's what's going to begin with verse 15. He's going to give us an example and pretty much make his point very clearly. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? What good does it do to tell somebody, Well, I hope you're having a good day. I hope that you'll have the things that you need, but then we don't do anything about it. Well, when you look at the life of Christ, Christ was not an inactive figure. In fact, uh, one thing that we find in all four of the Gospels is a very active man for three years traveling around the countryside, healing the sick, teaching, giving things to people, doing things for people on a daily basis. If we want to emulate that kind of faith that Jesus had, it seems like we're going to be doing something. And that's the point that James is making here. What kind of faith is it if you're not doing anything about it? If you're not doing the kinds of things that Jesus said to do, then the real question is, do you really even have faith in Jesus? And he puts it even more explicitly in verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Because what kind of faith is it really? If I say I have faith in something, if I say that I have faith in somebody, but I won't actually trust that person, if I say that I have faith in a particular way of living, but then I don't live that way, that's not really a faith. And he calls it a dead faith. Uh, to me, it would be a non-existent faith. It would be the kind of faith that is words only. And that's what James, I think, is really talking about here. From the other side, from Paul's side, uh, looking at somebody who is doing these various things, not doing the things to be saved, it's not the actions that save us, it's the faith that saves us, but it's also the faith that motivates us into doing these things. James continues, and he's going to look at both sides of this issue. Verse 18. But someone says, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Well, it's very unusual to think that somebody's going to be going around being self-sacrificial, to be doing the right thing without having a motivation for it, without having a faith. And so the kind of activity that James envisions is probably not going to come from that kind of person, somebody who doesn't have the faith. And so he puts it right back. You say you have this, I will show you my faith by what I do. My deeds are going to be the physical manifestation of what I believe. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So, simply saying that you believe that there is one God, which of course is the foundation of the Hebrew faith, 
the belief that there is one God, that God created us, that's one thing to have, but it's not enough. In fact, he's saying that uh, even the demons have that kind of faith. They do believe in God. Verse 20, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, of course, this brings up that Old Testament story that we that many of us are familiar with. We've studied it in Sunday school many, many times, where God tells Abraham, who's had so much trouble getting a son from his wife, Sarah, so much so that they felt they would never have a son together. So they have Isaac. Isaac is the carrier of the promise that God has made that Abraham is going to become a great nation. His family is going to multiply. And God tells him one day, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him to me. Now, Abraham actually physically goes out and does the things that are needed. He takes his son. He takes him to the place where the sacrifice is going to be given. He binds up Isaac. He is ready to perform this. So he is showing by his physical actions that his faith is there. Now, of course, God stops him because really the point of that whole story is that human sacrifice is not what God wants. The faithfulness of Abraham is shown there. God is going to give him full credit for having the faith that he needed in this case because he was ready to do this. Verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So this is the side that James comes down on. But he is not saying that the faith is not essential. He's just saying that you're not going to have that kind of activity without that kind of faith. And if you do have that kind of faith, you're going to do something about it. So as I said earlier, it's like the second side of the argument. They really are agreeing with the importance of faith. But James cannot imagine a faith that doesn't lead to some kind of action. He has one final example for us here, and this is an important one because it brings in somebody who is not a Hebrew. And again, this was such a major issue in the early church. I believe that's probably why he chose Abraham for one example, and then he chose this other example that comes from outside of the Hebrew faith. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now Rahab, remember, was in the city of Jericho, and she helped the uh, Hebrews as they were coming into the promised land. She played an important role in helping hide the spies who were looking into the fortifications of the city. God was going to give them Jericho anyway, but she did play an important part. She was not part of the Hebrew faith, but she did have faith in God. And so 
the Gentiles who've been brought into the Christian faith can look to her as an example of somebody outside of that Hebrew tradition, but somebody who pleased God by what she did. So I believe that's probably why James uses this example. And then again, he brings it all together at the end of the second chapter and really restates his uh, proposition that the body without the spirit is dead. It's the spirit that motivates us, that keeps our body going. So faith without deeds is dead. And one could argue that, uh, and I don't think Paul would probably disagree too much with this, that the kind of person who only speaks of having faith, who only talks about having faith, really doesn't have the kind of faith that either James or Paul would have envisioned, and certainly not the kind of faith that Jesus was out teaching. Because again, look at his life, look at his activity, look at what he did with his life. James, the leader of the church, Paul traveled all over the modern, or all over for him, what was the modern, the known world at his time, the the Roman Empire. They all are examples of people living out their faith through their actions. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the ability to have faith in you. Help us to show our faith in you this week through our actions. In Christ's name, amen.